Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, this is Simon Hughes, the analyst inside cricket, looking back at the third day of the Adelaide Test. It was actually a fascinating day. It was ebb and flow a little bit. England's fallibility with the bat was exposed again by Australia, but they fought back hard with the ball in the evening session. And actually, it's I suppose the, the, the whole day-night pink ball kind of subject is one that will carry on running because it does add an extra intrigue to the game in terms of follow-ons and whether you bat or bowl first when you win the toss. Both of those decisions have been questionable by the captains involved. But I suppose overall, you still feel, Simon, that that Australia is in pretty good position. If you're being ruthless about it, you could say that this is the day the Ashes slipped away from England. They had to bat well today. They had to threaten Australia's first-inning score they failed miserably to do that, 215 behind on first innings. They did come back out under lights and regain some pride. And you know, if they were to bowl Australia out for 100, then could they chase 315 to win the game? Possibly. Um, they haven't batted convincingly at all in their last two innings. Even in the first innings at Brisbane, they made just over 300. So it's a long shot. So they're, they're still just in the game. But their batting today was so fallible, it just makes you think the Ashes gone. 2-0 down, no way back from there. That's the conclusion from the third day in Adelaide. Sorry to be pessimistic. I see it as realistic. That's the way it feels tonight. Well, and, and it's just a, it's a depressing sequence, isn't it? Every time they come up against good bowling, which you're going to get in Test cricket, they've always looked very fragile and uh, you know today was an exact example it's not that they're bad players it's just they make bad choices I think as much as anything and you look at the 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 shot of James Vince for instance sort of trying to force off the back foot when he just come in and uh, you know Joe Root as well I've got the highest admiration for Joe Root but he's got this kind of obsession with trying to get quick runs early in his innings. He only faced 10 balls. He only hit one four. And he went for a drive with, with, with his 10th ball and got caught at third slip. And you look at the way that 
players like Smith and, and Warner and Sean Marsh applied themselves when they batted. They let lots of balls go outside off stump, got the tempo of the pitch, got the bounce, got, got the accustomed to everything. And then later they started to, to look to play aggressively. But England just seemed like they're, they're, they're impatient. What about the route dismissal from, from your point of view? You just mentioned it there. I mean, it was pitched up. It was outside the off stump. I mean, it looked like basically a half volley that you'd expect Root to hit for four. He edged it to third slip. You know, what, what was your analysis of it? I mean, it, it was the right shot or the right approach, surely. I know you you know, talking about his positive approach. Wasn't it a ball to be hit for four? And, and you'd expect a, a batsman of his quality to do so? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, but the thing is, I think he's always been a bit impatient as a batsman. And also, clearly, there's lots going on in his head as well. So, in fact, from a technical point of view, he didn't quite transfer his weight forward into the shot. Usually when you find him driving the ball, he, uh, although he's a back foot player who... So right shot poorly executed, or should he have left what was essentially a half volley then? Why don't you just you know just leave it to start with? Just get the sense of of how the bowlers are looking to bowl, what the pace of the pitch is, and the bounce. Just just get in a little bit first. I think I, I, you know I'm not into this sort of get on top of the bowlers first. It, it, it depends how many great batsmen you've got in the team. If you've got an absolute you know kind of litany of fantastic players, as Australia did you know, 10 years ago when they've got people like Gilchrist coming in at seven, then you can have batsmen who can take a bit of a chance. But Root is a huge figurehead in the England batting order. They, they need him to stay in and he's not doing it. He's not batting for long enough before he, he looks to try and express himself. Another frustrating dismissal today was Alistair Cooks. Batted nicely, looked good against the, the pace bowlers. Nathan Lyon is always going to cause problems, I think, on this Adelaide surface where there's just something for him and he's, he's confident, he's right on top of his game as well. Cook didn't need to play at it and he just pushed out a bit. You know, Lyon was bowling in a testing way. The ball is turning away from the left-handers. England have got six of them. You know, Cook will look at that and think, oh, you know, why, why did I just push out at that? I think that, you know, there was quite a bit of clever captaincy there because they'd set the man back at deep point uh, to stop him playing his cut shot or to stop him getting four for his cut shot. 
and so he was probably looking there to just run it into the gap for a single. So it was a good bit of cricket by Australia, the sort of tantalising line from Lyon and the, the cleverly set field. They're, they're smart, these Aussies. and They've sussed it out very well and, and seen where England's fragile, weak points are and, and exploited them. I, you know, credit to the, the lower order for you know a bit of a revival there, Chris Wokes. I, I thought Craig Overton handled everything incredibly well. I mean, especially for a guy who hasn't made a run on tour at all, to stand up like he did there and, and look completely un, unintimidated and, and generally composed was, was really impressive. But you know, some of the other shots... I thought Dav, David Milan had a good ball, so you, I don't think any blame attached to him for getting out. But most of the other guys just played a little bit too freely and paid the penalty. And, you know, 227 is just a, a complete non-event of a first-inning score when you're faced with 440 from the other team. England haven't bowled or batted well in the first innings. And, you know, the, the second innings bowling performance was outstanding. And it was all about finding swing and being prepared to try a, a little bit fuller of a length and take a risk or two, even if the ball does go for four. The problem with the first innings was, you know, someone like 10 overs gone with the new ball when England put Australia in and only one boundary conceded, but no wickets taken. You've got to, in, in these conditions, when you've got the opportunity to bowl with a, a brand new ball in a fairly slow pitch, you've got to pitch it up and try and induce the batsman to come forward and play the drive. And if they get away with a few, fine. But you rather have the score 40 for four than 20 for none really and this time it is 40 for four because England or in fact 50 for four because England have have attempted you know they've been a bit more proactive with the ball and a bit more risk taking and sent the ball a little bit fuller still not enough actually in my view Chris Wokes was was a little bit back of a length to start with. Even Jimmy actually was as well. When you've got the ball swinging like this, actually bowl half volleys quite a lot of the time because you're going to get wickets. And when they pitched it really full, they got wickets. Yeah, speculate to accumulate. What about the decision not to enforce the follow-on? It's a trend, isn't it, in the, in the game these days? People don't enforce the follow-on as much. And actually, when you have a lead of 215, you have over two days to go. You can see the scenario stretching out in front of you. You bat reasonably well in your second innings. You know, even if you only score 200, you've got a lead of over 400, and then it's pressure on on the final day or the last four sessions, and your bowlers have a chance to rest as well. Of course, with day-night cricket, in the situation they were in, Australia had a chance to bowl under lights, and England exploited that. They, they bowled under lights, they bowled really well, as you mentioned, or eventually they bowled really well, and they put Australia under some pressure, and uh, you know, 53 for four could so easily, could so easily have been... 50-odd for six. I mean, they weren't far away from, from getting there and really dragging themselves back into the game. What, what did you think of Steve Smith's decision? I mean, I never thought for one moment that he, he wouldn't bat again because that, that's the way they do it. And they like to rest the fast bowlers. They've only got four bowlers in the attack. I wonder if this occasion was one time when he, he, you know, he should have done it. And who knows? I mean, England could have been in, in disarray tonight. They could have been 50 for four as well. And that is really game over. I mean, it feels as though it's going to be, uh, but it's not, it's not quite done and dusted yet. Um, it, it, it isn't, it's interesting. It does add that extra di- dimension to, uh, to the game when you have the, the lights. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's a, a great innovation and it will pose captains that extra dilemma, actually, about, firstly, what to do when you win the toss in the first place. And Joe Root took that risk of, of putting Australia in, thinking not only 
the ball will hopefully do a little bit more than, than it has done in, in Brisbane. And also, they've got the, the, the second chance at sort of 80 overs if Australia is still batting of getting a second new ball under floodlights. And then also with things like the follow-on. You know, normally, at sort of towards the end of the day, in normal light, with perhaps an hour and a half, two hours to go, well, you, you probably would bat again because you know, the conditions are pretty good and you feel like you could just put the, the opposition out of the game. But with the extra dimension of the floodlights and the potential for the ball to do a bit more, then, yeah, it does add that, that, that extra intrigue. Was, was it a mistake? I don't think the Australian bowlers have bowled that many overs, and, and that's always a consideration. How much have they bowled in the day to allow them to... to to enforce the follow-on. They hadn't bowled that many. They bowled, what, 16, 18 overs or something. So you've still got plenty in the tank to give it another five to ten overs that evening. So in a way, yes, ram home the initiative. I, I would have thought there was a great case for doing that. And, who, what, you know, again, you've got, you've got to think, what was the opposition least like? The opposition would have least like to be put in again. Alistair Cook and, and Stoneman having to face the music again under the floodlights. They would have absolutely hated that idea. So I think possibly Steve Smith did miss a trick there. Yeah, it gives you your best chance uh, to win the game, I think, if you do bat again, if, you, if the follow-on is enforced, because it doesn't happen very often, but you're two, just over 200 behind. If he did bat well in your third innings, or the third innings of the game, your second innings, say if England managed to get 350, you know, they would set Australia 150 to win on the, on the final day. And then, you know, you lose a couple of early wickets and, the, you know, then the, the wobbles can start. But, you know, you re- actually, you really need to get a, a huge score in that second innings. You need to score over 400 and push it beyond 200. We saw Australia chase 170 in Brisbane. So, you know, everything is in, in the bowling side's favour. But these they, they like to do it the other way these days, which is to really sort of grind down the opposition to get a massive lead, rest the bowlers and then say, right, you know, good luck to you. You try and bat it out for, for four sessions. Of course, what will happen or in an ideal situation for Australia here now, although they've, you know, they've lost some wickets, what they'll be hoping is that you know, they were four down after the first day and they extended it to after the dinner break. They'll be hoping to do something similar, get up towards the dinner break, extend the innings, get a, a decent lead, and then the lights will be on. They'll have a new ball, the lights will be on, and England will be batting to save the game. No more than that, because they'll be chasing 450-plus, possibly even 500, if Australia go really well. And that's, you know, that's looking at a really positive framework as far as Australia are concerned. That, 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 that's the scenario, isn't it? England will be batting under lights, starting their second innings on the fourth day. Which makes it even more important that England polish off Australia off in the first session tomorrow. They need to take six wickets for 75 runs, I'd say. They've got the, the night watchman in there, knock him over quickly. The ball is still going to do something, even though it's going to be daytime. I think it's, it's funny, but, but you know, balls just vary. Some balls swing and some don't, and nobody can really explain that. You can take two exactly the same new balls out there and one will swing and one won't and you know that's one of the kind of fascinations and you know fickleness about the art of swing so I think the ball will still do something tomorrow and England have just got to exploit it they've got to go for that full length Hanscom doesn't look that great obviously Sean Marsh has played the innings of the game so far they've got to get him early and he can easily get a nick early on if they look to pitch it up and then they're into the bowlers They've got to back themselves to bowl Australia out for 130, which leaves them, what, 340 to win or something. And, well, that's going to be unbelievably tough, but it's not impossible. 
No, not not impossible. Uh, we said at the start of this podcast, or I said at the start of the podcast, it felt like the, this is the day that the Ashes slipped away. I said it felt like that. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but England, I think, would have to play heroically well to win from here to prevent Australia going 2-0 up in the series. Cricket logic tells you that Australia effectively 268 for four. Everything is in their favour. In a way, it was a, a pride issue tonight. England dragged it back. Uh, they, they took some wickets. They put some pressure on Australia. But, you know, goodness me, whose position would you rather be in? You'd rather be in Australia's you know, every single test match that's ever played. You'd rather be in that position. They are in a fantastic position to go 2-0 up in this series, clearly, after you know a poor batting day from England. Well, I'm, my message is, come on, England. You can do it. You can get those final six wickets. My heart says they can do it. I, I'm not going to tell you what my head says. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what my head says, Simon. It says 2-0. Well, I mean, lots of people on Twitter have said that, that your 4-0 prediction could easily come true and maybe you were a bit conservative. So uh, we'll see. Anyway, look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Yep, look forward to it. Let's hope for a better day for England. Uh, I mean, it really needs to be if they're to just drag themselves back into this series. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.